Northern Brewer is the proud sponsor of the Brewing Network's Jamil Show. They have the widest selection of domestic and imported malts and grain, hops from all over the world, and a full line of liquid and dry yeast. No matter what style of beer you're brewing, Northern Brewer has the ingredients you need, plus fast shipping and expert staff to help you make the best beer possible. Please visit northernbrewer.com for all things homebrew. All homebrewers have a favorite commercial beer, but not everyone can make it. Welcome to the show that teaches you how, where you can challenge two masters, Jamil Zainashev and Tasty McDole. This is the Jamil Show. Can you brew it? Now here's Jamil. Hey, howdy, hey, my brewing brothers and sisters. Back for another wild episode of Can You Brew It? My good uh, friend, Tasty McDowell. I'm here. Tasty. Ready to go. Ready and willing is what I hear. I'm a brewing machine. I brewed two batches yesterday. Oh, yeah? What'd yeah. you brew? Well, I brewed my uh, Dormunder Export and my uh, Janice mm-hmm. Brown Ale, the uh, Imperial version, the gold medal version. See, and I thought that that uh, you know there was a similarity. You gave me a bottle of your Nugnia 100 uh, to take home, and I, I I was drinking that, enjoying a you know a 10 percent beer, enjoying a bomber by myself, and I'm started thinking you know there are some similarities between like kind of the yeah. the dry spicy of the hops and the and the yeah, chocolatey the yeah. and and all that uh, against the chocolate. Yeah, it's about eight percent chocolate as well as my beer is too. Similar to uh, Janet's, which right. I love. Uh, you know, it's a yeah, great beer as well. Right. So I I thought that that was. Uh, you know, uh, quite quite uh, interesting. And you know, while I was doing that, I was uh, prepping for this trip out to uh, Minneapolis. Gonna go out there. Gonna gonna take the Pope Mobile. Gonna uh, gas her up. Huh? Gonna gas her up. Gonna take eight days. Gonna drive the does twenty. Peter, does Peter know about your gas problem? <laughs> gonna drive twenty five hundred miles, so you guys don't have to. If you want to hook up along the route, I, we're gonna we're gonna head through Reno. Going to be there probably on Sunday, the 6th of June. And then we're going to pass through Salt Lake City maybe the 7th of June. Then we're going to be in uh, probably uh, Wyoming on the 8th. Probably uh, probably be through Rock Springs and Laramie. Then we're going to do the 9th, maybe Fort Collins and Boulder. The 10th, we're going to go through uh, Longmont and Boulder. The eleventh, maybe get down to uh, get down to uh, the uh, the uh, dry dock brewing and the homebrew shop down there. Maybe go to Breckenridge, things like that. No strip clubs. Oh well, plenty. Oh, you not mentioned those aren't going to be officially on the schedule. Yeah, it's not. I don't want people joining me for my my yeah. stripper experience. You know, if I'm if I'm there, uh, you know, enjoying myself. I'm, you know, unless they're going to help out. You know, they got a hot wife or a lot of dollar bills. Sent along. Yeah, right. You know, that'll work for me. Help out. <laughs> or pictures of the hot wife. Go ahead, send them to me. That'll work. Yeah, I can use those. <laughs> you know, uh, some, some lingerie the wife has used. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, just ship it out to me. That's fine. <laughs> send it with the beer. <laughs> yeah, send them with the beer. Yeah, some beer. Some <laughs> of your wife's lingerie. A couple of photos. Careful what you ask little, for. A little care package. Yeah, send it out to you me. might get some lingerie. You're thinking it's some camping gear. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, it sent me a five man tent. Thank right. you. Oh, the pole's kind of short for this. 
Pool's kind of thick. Pool's kind of kind of veiny. Uh, no. Oh, oh my God. Yeah. Uh, and we're gonna we're gonna, uh, then I'm thinking uh, the 12th maybe uh, Hayes Kansas maybe go uh, go out there. Uh, Kansas uh, and the Kansas. I'm, we're going through Kansas. That's for sure. And then uh, maybe the uh, the 13th uh, we're definitely doing Nebraska Brewing Company. Oh, good. In Pepion, Nebraska. I like that place. And uh, they're always the... Well, I see them every year at GABF. Yeah. Nicest people. Yeah. Paul Paul contacted yeah. me, and yeah. he was like, hey, let's set something up. Uh, we got you know three homebrew clubs. He's already talked to those guys. So cool. we're definitely doing something there. Uh, it'll either be Saturday night, the, the 12th, or Sunday night, the 13th, around uh, dinner time. Get out there. Buy yourself some dinner. Get some beers. Come and, come and join us, and uh, we'll be there enjoying as well. I want to see lots of people show up. Help support uh, this effort here and, and, and Paul for uh, inviting us out there. Cool. And then we're going to head up to uh, through Iowa. We might swing by uh, Old Main Brewing, I was thinking. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we're going to get out to Minneapolis and visit our absolutely incredible sponsor, Northern Brewer. How many breweries was that uh, along the way? It's about 15-ish. Wow. Hmm. In uh, how many days? In a couple of in eight days. Wow. Good effort, Jay-Z. It's seven and a half, so two a day is what we're averaging. <laughs> All leading up to to NHC, which is a as week we of all drinking. know, yeah. <laughs> How long did it take you to put that list together? It wasn't a like five. a week. Yeah. <laughs> no, I've got all. I got mileages, times, routes. I've got uh, overnight to try stops. Got oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I get the the book here. Wow. Uh, you know, something like this doesn't just uh, fall into your life. Just just come together. You gotta you gotta plan it out in order to plan uh, for success. Yeah, if you're gonna be drinking. Uh, at 15 different places uh, over the course of a week, it takes some planning. Because you can't be too inebriated to get to your next stop. No, that'll mess up <laughs> yeah. your schedule. Yeah. You've got to have a place to stop. Yeah, so when you when you really get inebriated, that's why you have the motorhome. You can you can you can sleep in the parking lot. Yeah, yeah exactly. Right. So if you have a place that uh, doesn't mind a motorhome with a couple of drunk guys sleeping in it uh, overnight, <laughs> you're our stop. That's for sure. That's cool. So I'm looking forward to it, and then we're gonna we're gonna like I said we're gonna hit Northern Brewer, uh, go by the uh, the store there. I want to meet people out there at Northern Brewer if you if you have a chance to come by, that will be a, a great stop as well. The people at Northern Brewer, you know, for that it just just doesn't seem like they're in it for selling stuff. They're in it for kind of like the community or for for doing something uh, doing something right, doing something uh, different. I don't know that like a business run different. And very supportive uh, of uh, you know their customers and the the community that the customers are involved in. That's why they support this show and and uh, make it possible for us to do this. So if you get a chance, go by northernbrewer.com and uh, you know pick something up. They got a lot of good stuff there, and uh, you know tell me appreciate them supporting the show. Ah, what's our challenge for today, Justin? All right, Joe from Boston called in to challenge you guys. Here Joe you go. again. Yes. Hi, <laughs> Jamil. This is Joe from Boston. I'm calling about Stone Old Guardian Barley Wine. It's a beer that I really like. I've enjoyed a bunch of the years that they've come out with it, um, especially like the 09. And uh, I hear that they change it every year, so I imagine it'll be uh, a little bit of a challenge to uh, try and come up with a clone. I was wondering, can you brew it? There you go. Tough challenge, the old guardian. Yeah, you know, but uh, you know, Joe, you know, again, a good, a good choice. Uh, you know, if you got a good choice, 
you tend to get on the air much faster than than a crappy choice. Just keep that in mind, you guys that are sending all these uh, requests. Also, we, if we like the brewer, like if we, we enjoy get, spending the time to interview true. them, we'll uh, we'll we'll call them first. That's a good point. You know, anytime <laughs> you're you're asking for a Stone beer, that means I get to to chat with Mitch Steele at uh, Stone Brewing, and he is one of the the great people in in the brewing industry. Just just uh you know extremely knowledgeable extremely helpful yeah. and just a great guy to talk to makes you feel makes you good feel good uh, great to with him. Yeah. yeah so uh that's what i did i i contacted uh mitch at stone said hey you know mitch uh you know help me out you know essentially give me all the information i need to do this. <laughs> i'm back again mitch <laughs> back again for more <laughs> help me out man uh you know my my livelihood depends on it <laughs> and he's like sure no problem you know, and he, and, you know, some of these guys are, are harder to get hold of than others. Mitch, he'll make himself available, you know, immediately. He's like, okay, yeah, you know, when do you need? And he's there, you know, and no fail. So, again, a, a great guy to deal with. So let's do this. Let's take a short break. When we come back, let's hear from Mitch Steele at Stone about Old Guardian. Back after this. Where were we? You stole an oak barrel from the mist of Ravenwood, and Lord Zinfandel the Avenger is in pursuit. Do you drop the barrel and run? Elves, no. We need it for a Flinders Red! I'm gonna cast Pediacocketh Damnethus on the barrel. Sorry, your ghosts are imprisoned in his winery forever. Ugh, I hate it when Greg's the brewmaster. This sucks! What do we have here? Orville Rodenbach? Buzz off, guy! We got a brew session going. Is that an actual beer? Yeah, I crafted it. I don't really use the dice anymore. I'm a 10th level beer nerd. Are you a 10th level beer nerd? Do you get a long-lasting foam stand when you think about wheat malt? Then you're in good company at Northern Brewer. Northern Brewer has all your beer nerd needs, ingredients, equipment, and knowledge at northernbrewer.com. Plus, fast, cheap shipping, only $7.99 for the contiguous USA. And check out Northern Brewer's huge selection of dorky beer kits, including the pre-prohibition lager. Perfect for steampunk. And the single hop best bitter. Now on cast and 10 forward. Make 10th level at northernbrewer.com. Do you support the Brewing Network? Do you brew your own? Are you looking for any economical, fun, and legal way to do both? Subscribe to Brew Your Own magazine and do just that. All year long, Brew Your Own will surprise you, entertain you, and educate you with articles on beer and brewing from authors like the Brewing Network's very own Jamel Zalashan and John Palmer. Each issue is a full pint of brewing techniques, homebrew stories, tips and photos, projects to make yourself, and recipes for the avid home brewer. Get your tough questions answered by Mr. Wizard. And polish your style accuracy with Jamil. A portion of every subscription goes to the Brewing Network, so subscribe today at byo.com slash brewing network, or just click the BYO logo on the Brewing Network homepage and support a fantastic hobby and your favorite broadcaster. Brew your own. The how-to homebrew beer magazine. Nico, listen, our lawyer said that we had to do this for one hour, and after this, we don't have to talk to each other for three more months until the, the next meeting. Kids. Come on, let's get out of here. I'm supposed to have more lines. I'm the professional. <clears throat> hey, it's Sully. And I'm Nico. And we opened the 21st Amendment 10 years ago at 563 2nd Street in San Francisco, just two blocks from Giants Park, to make great beer and have a great time doing it. That's right, because to us, the 21st Amendment is more than just the right to make beer. It's the right to experiment, to be innovative, and just do things differently. And so now, we're putting our craft beer in cans. That's right, cans. You can find our world-famous Hell or High Watermelon Wheat Beer at Brew for Your Die IPA in the Northeast, Northwest, parts of the Midwest, and Alaska 
in cans and on draft. So next time you're at your local neighborhood pub or good beer store, be sure to ask for 21st Amendment in cans. Because everyone likes it in a can. Tasty Crack Cans. Tasty Crack Cans. Williams Brewing is your online resource for prompt delivery of quality home brewing supplies. Since 1979, Williams Brewing has offered the finest equipment and freshest ingredients and the best customer service in the business. Cut hours off your brewing sessions by using one of our 11 varieties of famous Williams malt extract. Our Williams Belgian Pale Extract is mashed with pure Belgian two-row malt and a small percentage of Belgian wheat malt for an authentic Belgian character you just can't get from other extracts. Or check out our unique fermenters, two-and-a-half-gallon kegs, paintball tank-based draft beer equipment, bottling aids, and much more. We even have our own line of precision hydrometers. Go to williamsbrewing.com to browse our vast selection. That's williamsbrewing.com. Orders placed by 3.30 p.m. Pacific time ship the same day. Brewing is easy. The Williams way. You're listening to the Brewing Network. I'm speaking with Mitch Steele, head brewer at Stone's, uh, Stone Brewing in Escondido, California. Mitch, how you doing today? Uh, doing great. How are you? Oh, fantastic. Thanks for joining us again. I really appreciate your time. Uh, you've been so helpful uh, that uh, we're just going to keep coming back and <laughs> talking okay. to you. Okay. <laughs> that sounds good. <laughs> um, well, and, you know, people request so many of your beers. Uh, you know, I think I, I think you've got more beers requested than any other brewery out there. And uh, I, I think... You know, one of the the reasons you do is because the beers are so good. Each one is uh, just incredibly delicious. And with that, I I understand you guys. Uh, you know, you open the bistro, and then uh, you guys have some expansion plans going on to to help meet demand. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's been an amazing ride. We're we're growing, uh, you know, double digits, twenty twenty five percent a year, and. Wow. We're out of room. You know, we moved into this building four years ago, uh, and we are already completely out of space. And the one thing, you know, it, I don't know if everybody realizes this about, about Stone, but it, we have, in reality, we have three businesses that are run out of this, out of this uh, facility here. We've got, we've got the bistro, we've got the brewery, and then we've got a distribution company, and we distribute beer all throughout Southern California, and not just our own, but we bring in craft beers from all over the United States, and and a couple of a few import beers and things like that, and it's a it's a pretty big business for us. Uh, we have an eight thousand square foot cold box here in a warehouse, and and we have I don't know fifteen trucks that go out every single day that we load up with beer and ship out to places in Southern California, and we've outgrown the cold box. Um, eight thousand square feet is not even close to being enough for us. So we were hoping to move next door. Uh, to this building and build a warehouse there, and that didn't work out. But we were able to buy a building uh, just about a mile away, and we're going to move the distribution business over there. It's it's moving, uh, you know, this winter. Uh, we're going to move some of the staff over there, and what we're going to do here then is use that additional space to to uh, build a new cellar because our brewing process is fermenting constrained. Right now, we're brewing two shifts a day, seven days a week, and we really can't brew more than that because we don't have enough fermenters. Mm. to hold all the beer. So we're going to be able to put in um, more fermenters in that space that's cleared up and uh, some additional processing equipment. We're, we're going to be putting in a centrifuge 
and, uh, you know, doing some work on our bottling line to increase the capacity of our bottling line and all sorts of really good things. So it's uh, exciting times, to be sure. That's great stuff. I, I remember, uh, you know, a long time ago, I went to uh, Stone when, uh, God, were you guys in, what, San Marcos before? Mm-hmm. Um, and yep, yeah, exactly. That's that's where I went, and uh, I I got a little tour of the brewery and uh, got some samples out of the fermenters and stuff. <laughs> it was it was it was fantastic. But uh, awesome. you know, it's amazing how how rapidly you guys have grown and and how far you come and how far you're gonna go. I'm sure. Um, you know, it's it's unbelievable. I when when I got here, we we. Brews, I think forty eight thousand barrels, and this year we're going to be right at a hundred thousand. So, oh, wow. uh, it's pretty amazing stuff. And so we've more than doubled since I've been here. Well, and I don't think there's um, a person uh, that's into craft beer anywhere that doesn't know about Stone. <laughs> you know, it's, I, it's unbelievable. You know, and it, you know we we've got great distributors all across the country. So you know our beer is getting out there, and that's a mm-hmm. that's a big part of our success. You know, is being able to to send our beer to you know uh, different corners of the country and and be sure it's going to be treated reasonably well and and that people are going to get it the way we intend it to taste and mm-hmm. you know that's been a huge part of our success. We sell a lot of beer in in places like Texas and Arizona and mm-hmm. the, you know the Northeast. We're doing great and we just opened up uh, the Southeast last year. It's been fantastic. So you know there's uh, a lot of people that are really enjoying our beer, which is wonderful. Well, and uh, I also, uh, um, uh, you know, one of the things I enjoy that uh, other people may have seen or may not have is uh, on YouTube, uh, Greg uh, Cook has the uh, his Stone Brew kind of uh, video blog thing going there. Yeah, and, uh, yep, the V-blog. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, I was uh, interviewing um, uh, Shettle from uh, uh, Nugnia in uh, Norway, mm-hmm. and... Uh, Greg had visited there, and uh, so I I was able to kind of get pronunciations down, <laughs> from, <laughs> improve my Norwegian from from Greg's uh, V blog. Yeah, but, uh, I, I I had to watch that too. We went over to to Norway uh, this summer and brewed a beer with Shettle, and um, you know I had to get uh-huh. my pronunciations down before I left. Yeah, yeah, stuff. cool. <laughs> well, and, and so I think you know Stone has such a huge reach into the community uh, as well. I think uh, it really seems yeah, to me yeah, you know, and and, a- and part of that, uh, you know, really, if you look at our philosophy as a company, I, I mean, we're all uh, not only are we brewers, but we're fans, you know, and and we're fans of craft beer and everything about it. And I think you know you can see that when you come here, the fact that we're selling, you know, distributing all these brands of beer, you know, the 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 Bear Republic and Russian River and and the Lost Abbey beers and and uh, Amagang and things like that. You know, it's pretty awesome. You know, they, I remember walking into that that coal box when I was interviewing and just going, "Oh my God, look at this!" You know, and you know, we don't take anything on that we don't we're not a fan of ourselves. So mm-hmm. you, you know, that's uh, I think that's a pretty neat philosophy. And uh, you know, we're all about uh, the the business. You know, the craft brewing business and the movement and. Uh, you know we're as big of fans as anybody, so it's it's a really cool place to be. Well, and 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 not only that, but you know everybody I've dealt with at Stone has you know treated me with uh, you know uh, kindness and respect, and I think every you know every, well, and not just me, but every home brewer I think gets kind of a a very good feeling about how 
you don't uh, you're not only part of uh, you know the professional community but you're part of you know uh, the homebrew community too and and you know you're you're willing to talk to guys like us and uh, help us out and uh, you know you actually seem to enjoy it rather than look at it as a chore so <laughs> you, you know what uh, I think if a craft brewer forgets their roots as a home brewer then they're making a mistake I yeah. you know I yeah. mean, how many how many craft brewers got their start or have some experience home brewing? You know, it's just about mm-hmm. everybody. Mm-hmm. I mean, who mm-hmm. didn't start home brewing in some some way, shape, or form? And you know, you can't. You, you know, that's that's part of our inspiration. You know, and and part of our roots. And I don't. You know, um, I don't think uh, it does anybody any good to to not you know acknowledge that. Sure. Well, I know uh, a number of us can be quite annoying at times, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, know. just, you just have another beer, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, and one of the beers that uh, many of your fans uh, have requested has been uh, Old Guardian. Okay. And, uh, you know, that's one of those you know big, bold barley wines uh, like only Stone can can do. You know, bold is, is one of, uh, I think, the, the key watchwords, but also really drinkable, which mm-hmm. is, uh, I think, a tough thing to do in a barley wine, something that... You feel like you could drink a pint of it, uh, or a bomber. <laughs> not, not to say that you know, <laughs> bomber barley wine. Wow, yeah, it's, well, uh, that'd be fun. <laughs> well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm here to say it's not that difficult. Yeah, well, <laughs> it's, it's not. I know that. <laughs> you know, when, when it's old guardian, I, I've, I've it's, it's really not that hard. I mean, really, come on. <laughs> I don't have a drinking right, problem. Well, cool. I'm very That's successful great. at it. Uh, well, and what, what can you tell us about uh, Brewing Old Guardian? Well, um, it's, uh, you know, with our special release beers, the the Old Guardian gets changed just a little bit year to year. It, mm-hmm. it, it Really, in the, in the four years that I've been doing it, it's, um, you know, just been very minor changes. But in general, you know, it's a very heavy on the on the pale malt uh grain recipe it's um it's less than five percent crystal malt and it's a you know it's a medium color you know like a 60 70 crystal malt uh that we use and it's less than five percent of the total recipe mm-hmm. uh and the rest of it is all pale malt and as steve likes to say steve wagner who's who's our president and and brewmaster he he really feels very strongly that in a in a barley wine the yeast should drive the flavor and not, and not the malt, and and that's been his philosophy with his beer. And we can, uh, you know, we can, you know, mix it up a little bit, and we have done a little bit of that, and I'll talk about that uh, a bit. But in general, it's a very heavy, heavy on the pale malt uh, grain recipe. You know, just over ninety five percent, and and the rest of it is is like a medium color crystal malt. Mm-hmm. Um, the gravity on on Old Guardian. Uh, is about twenty four and a half Plato, mm-hmm. and again, you know, like most of our beers, it finishes out fairly dry, uh, you know, and that kind of drives the flavors. Uh, uh, besides the sugar, sugary flavors, uh, finishes out at around uh, around four and a half Plato, four to four and a half. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, it, it ferments out pretty well. You know, we get uh, this is probably. Uh, you know, on a regular basis, the highest alcohol beer that we brew it comes in at about ten and a half percent alcohol. Mm-hmm. Uh, what and kind it's of pushed over eleven at times? But <laughs> uh-huh. what kind of mash temp do you do to uh, get this to well, to dry out enough? 
Well, this is one we use at fairly low temperature and a long period of time. We're, we're resting at 148 degrees Fahrenheit for an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. And that really drives that, uh, you know, that, that amylase activity to get those fermentable sugars. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, like a, a lot of our beers, we tend to go with these it's fairly, fairly low temperatures. I, you know, if you look at our IPA and, and ruinations and things like that, we're, we're in the 148 to 150 range on the conversion temperature. And, you know, we'll go longer periods of time to really drive the fermentability up of the resulting wort. I think it ends up being not quite so uh, thick and heavy and, and really adds to the drinkability of, of the beer. Yeah, that, and that's the goal. You know, we don't, we don't want it to be overly sweet, and, um, you know, and, and I think it does add to the drinkability. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one consequence of that is sometimes the alcohol, when the beer is really fresh, sometimes the alcohol is a little hot, but that goes away fairly quick. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And do you ferment this at 72 like the, the rest of your beers, or...? Yes, we do. Uh-huh. Okay. Our yeast is very temperature sensitive. If we drop below seventy, it just stops. Oh wow! And with this, and with this beer, we don't we don't want to go too high. But uh, uh, if we don't keep it above seventy degrees, it, it, it you know, especially once it starts finishing up, it it really it, it'll just come to a dead stop. Mm-hmm. And how about the uh, hopping on this beer? Well, we've changed this up a little bit over the years. Uh, what we're looking for in in the hopping, um, and let me uh, let me just take a quick look here to make sure I'm. Um, we're looking for about ninety bitterness units in the finished beer, and that means in uh, uh, in the words we're running about one twenty or so mm-hmm. as a as a target bitterness level. So it's pretty bitter. Um, and typically what we've done with the Old Guardian, we've mixed it up a bit based on hop availability and just our desire to do do some different things with this. And like I said, we like to mix it up a little bit so we can learn a few things, but we don't want to change the overall profile of the beer too much. Um, but typically what we do is we use a fairly clean uh, bittering hop and uh, you know, fairly high alpha bittering hop. And the one that we've used the most, I would say, is Warrior. Um, we've used Warrior, I think, just about every year, except for maybe uh, the 2008 version that I've been here. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's a it's good, good, clean, good, clean bittering hop. And um, you know, we're like I said, we're targeting about 120 in, in the wort with that. And Warrior, you know, the Warriors that we've used have been running around 17% alpha acids. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, like most of our beers, we do one, one kettle hop edition uh, at the start of the boil, and that would be the Warrior Hop edition. Is that a um, uh, 90-minute boil on this? Or? A 90-minute boil. Mm-hmm. And then we do, uh, we have a separate Whirlpool here, so we transfer the word over to the Whirlpool, and what we do is we dump hops into the Whirlpool for flavor and aroma. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've used some different hops over the years. Uh, in, in this edition, we've used Crystal, we use, we've used Amarillo. Um, we've used a tannum, uh, which is the, the primary hop in our stone pale ale. Um, in 2008, we used East Kent Goldings, hmm. um, and we used East Kent Goldings last year as well, trying to make it a little bit more British in profile. Um, and that's been kind of fun. Um, in 2008, we actually used First Gold as the bittering hop, and then we used East Kent Goldings um, as the uh, uh, as the finishing hop in in the Whirlpool. Uh, so the first gold was in the kettle, and the East Kent Goldings were in the Whirlpool. 
And last year we went back to using Warrior in the kettle and, uh, again, the East Kent Goldings in the Whirlpool. And then last year we ended up uh, really, you know, we, we had a tasting and Greg and Steve and I and John Egan, our lead brewer, were sitting in a, in a room tasting a couple of vintages of Old Guardian. And Greg made the comment, uh, Greg Cook, who's our CEO, made the comment that he remembers the Old Guardian being much more intensely hoppy than it had been over the last few years and he kind of wanted us to move in that direction. And so we talked about it, and we ended up dry hopping uh, the 2009 Old Guardian uh, with uh, a little bit of Chinook and Centennial and, and Simcoe, uh, you know, a blend of three different hops. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, on the on the range, I think overall it was about um, about half a pound per barrel mm-hmm. uh, total of the hops, and it was about an equal distribution of the three different hops. But, you know, it, it gave it a little bit more hop care. It didn't come through as much as I thought it would, but it, it did give it a little bit more aromatic quality that the, the, the 2008 version didn't have. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the other thing that we did last year with this is uh, instead of using an American crystal malt, we ended up using a uh, British crystal malt um, in there, you know, just to try and see if that would come through as a little bit more biscuity or a little bit more more English in character. Mm-hmm. And I think we're going to do the same thing with the crystal malt this year. I think we're going to um, there's a Maris Otter has a Chris, there's a Maris Otter crystal malt out now, and I think mm-hmm. we may try that in this year's version. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the different crystal malts um, they they do have surprisingly different uh, flavors to them, even you know amongst the different maltsters. Yeah, I find that. Yeah, uh, I I think it's uh, it's fascinating, you know, and and uh, you know I I've gotten the opportunity to go over to to England a few times in the past couple of years, and the one thing that I noticed in a lot of these really traditional English breweries is they're all using Thomas Fawcett malts, mm-hmm. and they're hard to get here, right, <laughs> you know. Right. But uh, you know, but we've been we've been playing around a lot, or you know, exploring is probably a better word rather than playing around. But we are kind of playing around with it with a lot of different British uh, malt suppliers. You know, with the, you know, the Simpsons and the Muttons and the Crisps and things like that, just mm-hmm. to, trying to kind of nail that kind of British character in some of our beers, and uh, mm-hmm. it's been fun. Well, I, th- I think with your your expansions going on and, and your success, uh, you could keep uh, Thomas Fawcett going, you know, forever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just hard to get here in the states. I mean, yeah. I know there's there's one supplier who, who, my understanding is pretty much on a on a homebrew level. But uh, um, you know, it's uh, it, we brought some in at one point and and, and did some brewing with it. And uh, uh, you know, we may we may try to get that going again. But I'm I'm excited about this year. Uh, we're going to start brewing it in. We're going to be brewing the, the the old Guardian in December, and I think. Uh, um, and then well into January with this, and I think that the Maris Otter Crystal is going to be a nice addition to that. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll have to try brewing ours around the same time, and then uh, we'll parallel track these and <laughs> get, maybe get good. to taste them at the same <laughs> same age point. Um, I don't know what we're going to use for hopping yet this year, though, yeah. so we'll, we'll see. Well, we'll we'll cut ourselves some slack on that on, on the Whirlpool edition. Um, a couple of questions. One is um, how how large a Whirlpool edition are you doing? Uh, the Whirlpool edition it, it changes a little bit, but in general it's about uh, you know it's about three quarters of a pound per mm-hmm. barrel somewhere in that range, maybe a little bit more than that depending on the year. Mm-hmm. And how long do you run the Whirlpool for? We do. Uh, it takes about fifteen minutes, or it, actually, let me take that back. It takes about uh, twenty-five minutes to fill the Whirlpool. Mm-hmm. We we do a ten-minute 
15 minute rest depending on the brew mm-hmm. in the whirlpool and then we draw off and that and the, and and that process takes about uh 45 minutes mm-hmm. so overall it's a it's an hour and you know hour and 15 minutes hour and a half in the whirlpool mm-hmm. overall cycle time okay great uh any other tips uh you think we should know before we uh dive into this one well, the one thing that, that we've worked with with uh, our high-gravity beers, um, we're injecting um, pure oxygen into our, beers, is, is, into our worts as a yeast nutrient. Mm-hmm. And we actually do um, it's a couple things that we've done. You know, we've had issues with, with our big beers fermenting out completely and getting down to terminal gravity. And a couple of things that we've done is we've, we've upped the oxygen content um, in the in the uh, in the injection system a little bit, and that helps some. You know, the danger of doing that is you can actually get too much oxygen in your wort, and then your yeast mm-hmm. just gro- goes crazy and then right. dies off. And mm-hmm. you know, we had that issue when we were trying to dial in our oxygenation system. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had that issue with some of our lower gravity beers, but with the bigger beers, it doesn't seem to be as much of an issue. The other thing that we do, uh, you know, we do multiple batches here, and this really helped us dial in the fermentation. Um, is brewing two batches in one day into a fermenter and then topping it up the next day with oxygenated wort and just giving it an extra dose of oxygen a day later. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, before the yeast is too far along, you know, it's still kind of in its growth phase and mm-hmm. just really getting going on the fermentation. And that extra boost of oxygen seems to be enough to get the yeast to really stay healthy throughout the entire fermentation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And um, that's been, you know, and obviously that's a yeast-dependent thing, you know, a strain-dependent thing. Different strains react differently with with oxygenation techniques and filling techniques. But Mm -hmm. for our yeast, it it really has worked. And I think one thing that people may or may not have noticed over the past three years is we've really dialed in the consistency with our fermentations and, and the completeness of the fermentations on our, our bigger beers, the Double Bastards, the Old Guardians, mm-hmm. you know, the beers like that. And I think that's really helped us a lot. Mm-hmm. Well, and, uh, yeah, I, I, you know, I've noticed something similar, uh, you know, with, uh, you know, it's interesting you're saying too much oxygen. One of the uh, Internet lore things is, oh, you can't have too much oxygen. It's impossible. No, that's – I've actually found that to be true with uh, some home brewers. They are doing everything right, and they're ending up with a real fusely alcohol character to it. And what yeah. I found was they were using just – you know, that guy worked at a medical supply place, so he had <laughs> lots of oxygen available. And he was – you know, he'd do five minutes, you know, at like five liters a minute and – He's like, well, you can't put too much oxygen in, right? Um, I'm like, you know, cut way back on that and see what happens. And that was the problem, was too much oxygen. Yeah. I thought, hey. And uh, I've it, run into a couple of people since then. Um, yeah. You know, if you're using air, you mm-hmm. know, if you're using air to aerate your work, you can't add too much. Right. You mm-hmm. know, because oxygen is only, a, you know, whatever, what is it, 16% or whatever it is right, in, right. in air. You know, and so you don't get the saturation kind of kind of situation. But if you're using pure oxygen, you can get up to... You know, you don't max out at 10 to 12 parts per million. You can get mm-hmm. up to 30 parts per million in your wort, and your yeast is just going to go bonkers, yeah. and then it's it's like gorging itself, and then it just explodes, you know, mm-hmm. and, and you get all sorts of... But, you know, we were having sulfur problems and fusel problems and everything else, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, and we finally kind of got it dialed in. And, um, you know, I think it's... Uh, I, think it, I think the confusion comes in with, with air versus oxygen, because you can aerate... 
you know, as much as you want, and you're still only going to get 10 to 12 parts per million oxygen uh -huh. in the wort dissolved. But if right. you're using pure oxygen, you can get much higher than that, and that's a problem. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think that's an excellent point, and the, uh, the kind of the uh, second dosing of oxygen, I've, I've, I've heard that as well, and I think there's something on the... Uh, Lalamant uh, site, maybe it, it is uh, uh, Clayton Cove. Oh, on the yeast site, talking about yeah, talking about uh, doing an addition of uh, oxygen, maybe within eighteen hours or something like that, uh, or twelve to eighteen hours. Yeah, and that's that's about what we do, um, you know. And it kind of went against my what I had been taught, but you know, I had a and a lot of times coming, you know, coming from Anheuser Busch like I did, I have to take a step back and say, hey, you know what? The the rules that Anheuser Busch were for dealing with a with a beer with that was a lager yeast, and mm -hmm. you know, that's different than an ale yeast, and the gravities are different, and you know, right. so a lot of the rules that you get drilled into you at a place like Anheuser-Busch have to kind of be readjusted and you have to readjust your thinking. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, so, uh, but we we figured it out. <laughs> yeah, well, you certainly have. Uh, based on the quality of the beer, uh, there's there's no doubt that you guys know exactly what you're doing, so... Um, oh, thank you. Or, or at least it appears that way to the rest of us. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, sometimes you you walk out of here at the end of the day, you go, "What? What the heck are we doing?" You know, <laughs> you don't always know, but you know, it's you know when you when you get things fixed, and you know when the beer's tasting the way it's supposed to, right. and that's always a good feeling. Yeah. Well, and uh, you know, by judging by your fans, uh, which I count myself uh, as one of them, uh, you know. You guys just keep doing exactly what you're doing because it's it's fantastic. We really enjoy it. Well, thank you very much. We'll we'll try. We're, that's what we're all about. You know, we don't want to we don't want to lose what we're about as we continue to yeah. grow. So that's that that's a very important part of what we do. Well, and I really appreciate you taking the time with us again to uh, help us out with uh, Old Guardian. I I, I think that's going to be another another great one to to try uh, to get close to. Well, good luck. Uh, hopefully, I'll get to taste it, taste your version. Yeah, we we need to uh, we need to bring some of these down to you. Yeah, that'd be awesome. That'd yeah. be great to great to try. Yeah, it's not that far for us. It's uh, you know like <laughs> five hours or so. We could, yeah, we, not too bad. We can make a road trip. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll let you taste some of our beer if we let you, if you let us taste some of yours. How's that sound? Yeah, that's a deal. <laughs> okay, great. That's a deal. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Downtown Joe's, located in the historic Oberon Building in beautiful downtown Napa, California, offers an award-winning brew pub experience from 8.30 a.m. to 1 a.m. every day. For 15 years at the corner of 2nd and Main, Downtown Joe's has been voted Best Night Spot seven times and Best Brew Pub for the last four years in a row. Brewmaster Colin Kaminsky's handcrafted ales, like his Tailwagon Amber Ale and Double Secret Probation IPA, are the perfect accent to Riverside dining, live music, and a relaxing outdoor patio. Don't miss the Beer of the Month, special rotating taps, and the BN Army Member Special. Wear your BN gear, get 10% off your beer. Visit downtownjoes.com to make reservations, peruse their extensive calendar of events, or just read more about their fantastic beers. Come enjoy the fine beer, food, and music. Downtown Joe's, the award-winning brew pub where you'll feel at home. Hi, this is Push from the Brewing Network, and I want to tell you about the Brewmaster's Warehouse and how you can get 10% off your next order. I'm a pretty techie guy, but I've never seen an online store like this. It's awesome. 
Go to brewmasterswarehouse.com and click on Brew Builder. You can whip up a custom recipe so easily even Sven could do it. Seriously, it's slick. You can share your recipe with your own logo and notes to the Brewmasters database if you want. And the best part, it keeps a running tally of the beer you're building while you're doing it. Then, bam, click Buy Recipe and your cart is filled and ready to go with helpful suggestions in case you forgot something. This thing is amazing. Brewmasters Warehouse is run the way a home brewer would do it with great service, fast turnaround, and $6.99 flat rate shipping. Brewmasters Warehouse and the Brew Builder blew me away. Check it out today at brewmasterswarehouse.com. I'm serious. And don't forget to put BN Army in the discount code box for 10% off your order. Check out brewmasterswarehouse.com. Cheers. Hey, what are you doing, man? Writing a review of WLP 400. What? You're reviewing yeast? Yeah. White Labs has home brewer reviews of all their strains. Are you new to these interwebs? Check it out. That's awesome. White Labs, your source for great yeast, invites all brewers to visit whitelabs.com to read and write your own reviews of all their yeast strains. Get real-world tips and tricks from other brewers who have made the most of their vials and post your own experiences. It's another way White Labs brings you closer to the best yeast on the planet. And send. There you go. You misspelled flocculate, dude. What? Ah, uh, mother... White Labs. It's all in the vial. When Blickman Engineering set out to design a great brewing stand, they knew it had to be strong, adaptable, and last for a lifetime. The top-tier brewing stand is now proudly available at BlickmanEngineering.com. It grows with your brewing skills and equipment. Start with 5-gallon coolers on its heavy-gauge stainless steel shelves. Then move all the way up to 30-gallon pots on the high-output burner tiers. Speaking of burners, the custom Blickman Engineering top-tier burners are extremely powerful, efficient, and amazingly quiet. They have safety stops to center your pot and they'll last a lifetime and won't rust. The top-tier brewing stand allows virtually infinite combinations from traditional gravity systems to two tiers to completely horizontal. Configure your stand the way you want and have the freedom to change it at any time in the future. Your brewing stand should adapt with you, not force you to learn a new process. Visit BlickmanEngineering.com today to configure your top-tier brewing stand and to find a local Blickman retailer. You'll be surprised with all the flexible features and the competitive price. Start brewing with Blickman from the top tier. Live. Beer Radio. The Brewing Network. The Brewcasters. If you're just starting, don't be discouraged by all this stuff. It's exactly. so easy. Just throw it yeah. together. You Put some sugar and some water and some yeast in there. Yeah. Network. <laughs> now back to the challenge. Can you brew it? All right. I don't know if you're uh, watching on uh, justin.tv slash brewing network, but you can see we're having a good old time in the studio. And we actually uh, broke out. We, we, we've got a, uh, a 2007 Old Guardian, a 2008, a 2009, a 2010, and one of these beers is uh, Mike Moraz's beer. Mike is one of our master clone brewing uh, machines here. When we have a beer that's really tough to do, that it's like a real pain in the ass, we're like, uh, yeah, Mike will do it. Yeah, absolutely. Let's get Moraz. We'll dump it on him. Yeah. Yeah. Why, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> the one, the one that we're like, you know, <laughs> oh, this is going to be a real pain in the ass. Oh, oh okay. Uh, Moraz, uh, you know, you want to do this one, don't you? 
All right, so he he he. This was his challenge. He accepted. Yeah. Well, yeah. He's not gonna. He's gonna do. He doesn't shy away from a challenge. Let's put it that way. It's not gonna. What he won't accept is those sissy ass beers that you give me. <laughs> yeah, you give him some. Like, oh, you yeah. give him some like easy pale ale. Oh, well, yeah. He'll Justin, look at, can you brew water? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And mar- that morass would turn down. Gonna make some root beer. But you give him a nice, uh, you know, sour barrel aged blend, right? And then yeah, he's ready see, to go. That's exactly. Kind of stuff we <laughs> yeah, that's the challenge. The, yeah. That's the ones we've been we've been uh, handing off to morass. So uh, on this one, let's let's start with uh, tasty. What do you think, tasty? Well, you know, as I, I taste these beers, obviously, uh, you know, one one is uh, the stone beer is is actually a year old, the two thousand nine, right? Right. Uh, we were given the 2009 recipe. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, we can't advance time on Mike's beer uh, that fast. This is fresh. So uh, I have, I've made, uh, I think, about three barley wines. And, I, you know, and I've tasted other people's barley wines new. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I can remember tasting too many other people's barley wines later. But at least I've done it on my own. Mm-hmm. And uh, so you have to, I think, as you taste a fresh, a fresh beer, you have to see... Like, what do you think it's going to do over time for it to, you know, mm-hmm. to, to, to taste, you know, a year old? What's going to taste right. like in a year? Right. And uh, those those fusel alcohol. Yeah, the alcohols, you know, they're going to be micro, really bold at the beginning. Micro-oxygen. Right. And the uh, older beer is going to yeah, taste like a little that, bit yeah. like age on it, you know, age-related stuff. The hops are going to drop out a little bit. Mm-hmm. Which is one of the things about barley wine. You don't want to... Uh, you know, drink a barley wine fresh out no, of the fermenter. You can you drink want, it, but your, yeah. your, your best barley wine is going to be later, not uh-huh, then. Your, uh-huh, uh-huh. Every pint you have, or right. if you can drink a pint, every half pint you have is going to be a half pint you won't have a year later that's going to actually mm-hmm. be better. Two so, years later, three or two. years later, five Yeah, it depends later. on how you've done it. If it goes two, it's probably going to go five. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, all that considered, I think they're, 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 they're very, very similar. I, I, uh, I look at the recipe, I look at the the hopping uh, uh, regimen. I look at and tasting the beers. I would say that um, I can't think of a recipe change that I would make mm-hmm. that would get the uh, the beer closer than it is. So I say mm-hmm. clone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, let's see here, Justin. Uh, what's what's your take on it? Well, I'm having trouble with this beer, uh, and and I'm having trouble calling it cloned. And we did we talked a lot at the break about the age. It, it's something that comes up on the show a lot. And I've got my ear to the to the ground when the listeners are talking about this, and and an age thing is is something that comes up uh, for us. And I'm having trouble. My I'm not sophisticated enough to say that this beer is going to turn out the same in a year. So mm-hmm. let me. So here's what I can do. I can tell you what I taste right now. And what I taste right now is that what I think is Mike Moraz's beer is fruitier. It's sweeter. It has more fusel alcohols. Um, and by a significant degree than than what I think is the is the old guardian, um, the two thousand nine, yeah, the two thousand nine mm-hmm. old guardian, those two, which just is the just going, we're just doing. which right. right, which is the recipe that Mitch gave us, right. and that 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 as far as I understand, um, that Moraz brewed. So the two for me are so. I'm just telling you the difference that I that I'm tasting, so that, that folks at home can say, well, those are all things that will age 
or will not age or whatever they want to they want to think. To me, I taste these two beers and I and I would have to say not cloned. Mm-hmm. Um it it's it's also it, uh, to me it ends up coming off as a as a quality difference too. If I were to taste two of these, you know, you gave me these barley wines at a barley wine festival, I would have uh, ordered another one of the uh a Stone Old Guardian 09 and I would not have ordered another of what I think is 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 Mraz's. And mm-hmm. I d- I just don't mean that it's a terrible beer but um, it's those fusels, it's that fruitiness, and so... It doesn't have that, that aged quality, that, that mellowed <clears throat> right. quality yeah, that 2009 alcohol. has. Right. Now, that being said, all the best barley wines I've had are more than a year old. Mm-hmm. So I, I do understand that as a style, it, it, should, it should be aged. I'm just having a hard time telling you that this is a clone. But, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes our standards are, if you give me this beer, will I say that that's an right. old guardian? Right. I would not. If you handed me that beer, I would, I'd say, nope, that, that's not it. Well, I think that's an excellent point. I think, um, you know, if you were to give me a, a glass of the 2009 and I was drinking that, and then you were to give me a glass of Mraz's 2009 recipe, I'd go, well, this isn't the same beer. Yeah. You know, why are you giving me this? This isn't the same beer you just gave me. Yeah. The difficulty is, you know, we're chasing time here. This is a beer, you know, these barley wines need to be aged. And if, you know, the, the one of the reasons we have the 2007, 2008, 2009, 2010, even though the 2010 recipe is different, you can see a similarity between 2010 and, and the Mraz beer. They're both, you know, brewed recently. And they've got that same kind of, uh, you know, fusely, uh, fruity, you know, alcohol thing going on. The, the, even the same appearance that you know changes over time. So I think that's an excellent point you're making. And I think the the thing that the listeners should take away from that is, you know, you can trust this recipe. You can trust Mitch's recipe. This is, you know, the guy's, you know, 100 percent honest. And he's giving us exactly the recipe that he's brewing. And we can tell you how to adjust that to brew well on your scale. Right. You know, fermentation temperature, things like that. Um, The difference being, you know, you should taste the 2009 now while you can still get it. Go out and buy yourself some 2009 Stone Old Guardian. Taste it. Enjoy it. You know, write some notes for yourself. Brew your version, and then a year from now, taste your version and compare it to the notes. Yeah. You really can't compare them side by side because, you know, you got a year of age on that 2009, uh, you know, and you brew yours fresh, you know, so it's going to take some time. You, you know, it's going to take some faith as well. Uh, Chad, what, what, do you, what do you think about this? Is this uh, a cloned beer or not cloned, or what would you do different? I, you know, I'm kind of on the fence. I I think there's a lot of similarities in the crystal malts going mm-hmm. on there. Uh, the warmth, uh, very similar. Um, I do kind of, you know, get what Justin's talking about with the high fusel, um, but they're similar as far as heat. So uh, the age, I think that's the biggest difference what you're talking about. But for me, boy, I, I want to say cloned because um, I think just the crystal malts are right along those lines right. with that warmth. That's only my only. Uh, I get that that huge, uh, uh, you know, biscuity, uh, you know, British pale malt kind of background. I get the caramel. I get the the same hops. 
And the, 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 you know, I've done a lot of aging of beers over, uh, you know, 10 years and tasting, you know, you know, recently brewed, same recipe, same process, as, as strict as I could be on process and, and what, what difference aging makes in, uh, you know, cold temperatures, warm temperatures. And, uh, you know, my, my take on it is, oh, you know, well, this beer is exactly that beer in a year. Um, you know, it, it, it's just the way beers turn over time, and and it really builds up that kind of sweet, you know, caramel malty, and and mellows out some of those harsh uh, hot alcohols. So for me, it's it's cloned. Um, but you know, you got to respect what Justin's saying. It's not today. <laughs> it's not the same beer, no. right. and that's one of our one of our things. So the I, I'd go back to. One of our other uh, measures, which is, would you change the recipe? I would not change the recipe at all because for me, over time, this is going to become that beer. It's a tough one, and you know, I I don't want the listeners to think we're we're cheaping out on this, but well, you really, you have to. Well, no, the last thing we want is to give the listeners a recipe that's not going to give them the beer. Right, this is going to give you the beer, but it's going to give you the beer in a year's time. Yeah. Well, this is my concern when right. I when right, I come right, up right. with comments like this. All right, because no, I know, and and absolutely. it's and it's a funny thing to say to me, and and the listeners should know this too. That uh-huh. here's the idea: I can sit here and say to you guys, I don't think this is cloned, right? right. And then it's a big funny joke to say, "Well, great. So, what are you going to change, Justin? How much crystal malt do you want to add to this? Right? Well, well we're not doing no, that. But listen to me. I don't know the answer to that. Right. I don't have that answer. What I can tell you is that the beer right. t- that the beer right. tastes different to me. Yeah, yeah. and so I think that right. it's, and this is what I don't want to be lost on the listeners. It's mm-hmm. the same point that you're making. Mm-hmm. I don't want this to be lo- that, that that we definitely want to give the right recipe. Right. It's important to me that right. I'm that that I, that we're giving out the right recipe as it uh-huh. is to you guys. Right. right. And so I, I think that you're making an excellent point where you say. You know, you're going to taste this 2009 Old Guardian next right, to it, right. next to, to this recipe that we're giving you, mm-hmm. and it's not the same. Right. And now the listeners That's might say the, to us, the point and, and here's what well. they're doing, is they might say to us, well, then, then, then taste it again in six months and tell us if it's cloned. Well, right. what happens in six months? Well, now the 2009 Old Guardian right, is right. six months older than it is right now. Right. And so yeah. we can never catch up to it. Exactly. And so all I'm saying is that, uh, that, I might not, that I'm not the guy in the room who could tell you that the recipe is right or wrong, mm-hmm. but I can tell you what I taste. Right, right, right. And I, and I think it's important to set up whether or not a beer is going to age in, in one way or another. I, I think if we were to do this again, what we would have done is asked Mitch for We would have made this request of Mitch a little later on and have him give us the 2010 recipe right after he brewed it and then had Moraz immediately go out and brew that beer. Right. And then I think we'd be in sync and we'd be okay. We might find the same thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I just, no, I, I, all I, I need think to do is, is to point out just for the listeners as well because no. it's easy then to say to us as a show, mm-hmm. well then why didn't you why didn't you do the show later? Right. right. Well, because then the 2009 is also it's right. later. No, so, I, uh, I think I, you bring up excellent points. Yeah. I think you're you're absolutely 100 percent correct. I think you know that's that's a, a key thing that we need to bring up about this. I don't think we're I don't think we're cheating. I don't think we're, I don't think we're, you know, faking it or anything like that. I don't think Mitch has given us, uh, you know, anything other than a hundred percent, you know, truth when he speaks. Sure. I think, um, 
you know, it's, it's just one of the things about, you know, timing of, you know, a beer that changes each year. 2010 is a different beer. 2008, they change this recipe every year. Yeah. So what we're saying, I think, is this is the 2009 recipe. And my opinion is that the recipe Mitch gave is 100% accurate. Okay. And that is going to brew the 2009 beer. And if you want to clone a 2009 old Gar- Guardian, that's it. And whenever you taste it, whatever part of the process you taste it in, that's what a 2009 old Guardian would have tasted like if you do your, your brewing right. Yeah. Right? I wish there was some bell curve that you could finally catch up to it. <laughs> you know, you could finally well, taste it at this age think, and you go... You know, taste the 2007, uh, the 2008. Yeah. Like some sort of wormhole I mean, you, know, you can find... You think maybe in, <laughs> yeah, maybe in four or five years they might catch up. I mean, isn't there some point where the beers don't change that much? Uh, you know... Um, If they would, last that long, I mean, they're going to... I would think if you had exactly the same beer, yeah. I would think you get closer. I'd I think you get closer. Now, the vertical tastings I've done of, um, you know, beers over time, um, you know, I've done, you know, beers over decades. The The problem is it's a different beer each time. Yeah. Changing the recipe. Here, Although, probably. you know, some of the, the I mean, British beers, they've, they've been the same, essentially the same thing that they brewed for 200 years. And, uh, you know, but they taste radically different each time. And I think it's, you know, the, the problem is contamination's not the same. What do you um, think, like... Stone's is- beers are... I've actually <laughs> had some of these tested, and there's, like, nothing. There's no bacteria, there's no wild yeast, there's nothing in these beers. They're 100%, like, pure. Two of the biggest, probably famous barley wines is you got Bigfoot and you have Stone's Guardian. Uh-huh. And both these are known for their vintages. Right. Almost right. like a, a wine. Well, right. it's a barley wine, it is. And just like a young wine, you know, it's kind of fusy in alcohol. And then they blend together with some of the flavors, like a nice old wine. Mm-hmm. They just, this marriage becomes this beautiful thing. Right. I mean, some of the breweries don't try to mimic everything identical every single year. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's obviously a reason for that. Right. Because I, I just think that they things change over time. So, I will no say the, the the one thing that that made me believe that I could maybe predict the flavor as you guys were saying that would age mm-hmm. is so we have 07 through through 2010 in right. front of us, right? So the 07 and the 08 were very similar right. in that aged right. character. They uh-huh. they had a very uh, a similar malt character, uh, a little tiny bit of pepper to them, mm-hmm. just that that nice barley wine flavor. I really like. Uh huh. Whereas the uh, the the O nine and the, the, the two thousand ten and the Miraz, yeah. they were also similar. Yeah. All right, they were a bit fruitier. They were Very sweeter. Uh-huh. Uh, so I will say that those. So if I could, you know, these, these are this is all I have to go on. Right, aged beers versus the new beers, they were similar. Right, they right. were very similar. So right. I, I, that's the one thing that I could say to you. Okay. Well, I, again, you I, know. I, I think you bring up an excellent point. I'm glad you brought it up because you know if if it wasn't brought up. You know, people would brew this and they'd go, well, that's not the same. Yeah. Well, this is the reason why it's not the same. You know, this is this is an important part of, of the whole thing. Well, uh, Mike, Mraz, what, what, what do you think of uh, this? Do you call it cloned, not cloned, or would um, you change just, anything? Is or? it identical to any one of these other beers? No. Right. But does it fit into the category of flavors and complexities? Yes. You can see they're all of the same family. Yeah. And, and the beer you brewed... I mean, Justin's not wrong by saying it's a little bit hotter, a little fusy. We'll take it down to Mitch Steele. 
you're gonna bring me a bottle. I'm gonna I'm gonna go down there. I'm gonna I'm gonna get Mitch to taste this and your levitation. We'll get an official. We'll get an official. He had the 2009 fresh. Right, right. Be so I'll even go on a record and say if he says levitation's not done, I'll do, I'll do, <laughs> You'll do it again. We, we cloned right. it here. I'll Poor do it bastard. Again. Right. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Hey, I'll drink more of that. That's a nice beer. <laughs> That's true. So I'm not going to complain well, about we, that, we we held, that one. Too. We held brown sugar, which we had this problem with to the same right. standard, it where did, we said, it, it we'll, was let, not we'll let Jeremy. But right. uh, I'm the only one in the room saying essentially not to not clone. Whereas during the brown sugar show, that wasn't the case. No, It was a split decision, I think. I think I was the one it was the problem was, yeah. on the brown sugar. But I was wrong. I, you know, I, really, you guys had had it fresh. I hadn't had it fresh. Yeah, because I, I had had it fresh, and I said right. it was cloned. Right, right, right. That's why I kind of asked if, for the recount when I we think had if, Jeremy. I think yeah, if I really yeah. thought about it, I would have backtracked and said, oh, you know, okay, let me imagine what this is like fresh. And and that's one of the things you do over time. You should really, you know, store your beers, see how they change, you know, take notes and, you know, see how things adjust over time and it teaches you a lot about that's about BS. just beers. drink it <laughs> that's what i say all right so so you're kind too, of non-committal here yeah. you, you're gonna call it cloned or not cloned um as far as oh uh, come no, on you gotta say cloned cloned or not cloned. Cloned. Let, me, let me just kind of lead up to it <laughs> yeah 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 yeah, yeah. Uh, cloned yeah. Or not cloned. as far as <laughs> recipe changes it as it goes with the 09. Mm-hmm. And we, well, we didn't talk about the differences with the 010, and I can talk a little bit about that because I did a lot of research and is trying to find out any little trick that I can find from, the, from either Mitch uh-huh. and how that works out. Um, but I'll say it's cloned just because it fits in the category. Is right. it ex- identical or exact like any one of these? No. Right. But neither any one of the other ones aren't right. the any same. Any of the stone beers aren't, aren't identical. the same either. Yeah. So it's more of a, almost, we'll say a wine vintage. Right. As far as, yes, it's it's made from the same family, the same brewery, mm-hmm. but none of them are identical either. Even though we do have one thing going, which is time So it's cloned, us. right? It's cloned. There is a time limit to the show. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so they are, they are barley wines, by the way. And if so. Mitch says right. it's not, then he's wrong. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> It's a, it's a done deal. All right, let's take a short break. When we come back, we, we'll get into the recipe for this beer and, and some listener questions. Back after this. Hi. My roommate's gone for the weekend, and I'm wearing something flimsy. Listen, baby. I told you not to call me after 8. I gotta go. Who is that? Your girlfriend? Shut up, thug. Did you guys get the cauldron set up on the altar of my yard? If you weren't so busy getting booty calls, you'd know that. All right, I'm using the scroll of Mosher to boil the first decoction. You took too long. The color is now dark and past the point where you can still call it a pilsner. Yes, I hate it when Greg's the brewmaster. What's this? Poindexter Urkel? Dude, can't you see we're in the middle of a brew session? Is that an actual beer? Yeah, I crafted it. I don't really use the dice anymore. I'm a 10th level beer nerd. <gasps> Are you a 10th level beer nerd? Do you belch White Labs 833 and crap Simcoe? Then you're in good company at Northern Brewer. Check out Northern Brewer's huge selection of dorky beer kits, including the Cylon Detecting Three-Hearted Ale and the collector's item Super Alt. Mine's in mint condition because it's still in the box. Make 10th level at northernbrewer.com. BN Army members, are you looking for a discount on hops? Keep listening. Nico's Homebrew Supply at nicobrew.com has hops by the ounce and by the pound. Choose from varieties like Amarillo, Centennial, East Kent Goldings, Hollertower, Simcoe, Summit, Tomahawk, Warrior, Willamette, and more. And adding new varieties all the time, many for less than 20 bucks a pound. Whether a couple ounces at a time or an 11-pound bag, all hops are shipped vacuum-sealed and frozen straight to you. Nico's Homebrew Supply offers store-wide $5 flat-rate shipping. 
shipping and won't waste your money on unnecessary overhead or advertising. They're going bare bones and passing the savings on to you. The staff at Nico's Homebrew Supply loves to brew and is committed to keeping homebrewing affordable and accessible to anyone who wants to join in this great hobby. And for a limited time, use coupon code BNARMY at checkout for a Brewing Network discount. Visit NicoBrew.com. That's N-I-K-O Brew.com for your hops and more. NicoBrew.com, your bare bones buddy in the brewing business. Hey, Push, the new brewery's looking good. Thanks, Finn. Piece by piece. Well, let's fire up. Whoa! Is that a new kettle? Yeah, just got it brand new, but paid half price. What? And that blade scale? 40% off. And the new tap handle? Five bucks instead of 13. Got a new regulator for the brew stand, too, but five bucks instead of 25. Dude, where are you stealing all this stuff from? Where else? The more beer deal of the day. Announcing the Beer, Beer, and More Beer Deal of the Day. Every day, a new fantastic deal from big items to small that will blow you away. Boil kettles, carboy carriers, sterile siphon starters, digital timers. Watch morebeer.com every day for a new deal, and you just might find the item you've been waiting for at a price you cannot believe. Hurry, because stock is limited on most items. And that sweet Guinness cap, let me guess. The The More Beer beer Deal deal of the day. Day. Yeah, I knew it. Come on, let's brew something. Find the More Beer Deal of the Day at morebeer.com. Celebrity voices impersonated. Hey, BNers, Brewcaster Jay here. Are you tired of hearing about great beer here in the Brewing Network that you can't get at your local bottle shop? Well, we do interviews from all over the world, and we want to taste those beers, too. Finally, there's a place to turn for great beers from the other coast and beyond. Brewforia.com. Brewforia has an incredible selection of amazing beer, and they're adding more all the time. From breweries big and small craft beer, imported beer, organic, and even gluten-free. You're going to love all the choices. When the brewcasters can't find an upcoming guest beer, we turn to Brewforia, and you should too. Just check the Brewing Network for the upcoming guest schedule and head to Brewforia.com for their beer. The great guys at Brewforia will even include free beer for you with qualifying orders. Free beer, BN Army. You know we like that. Visit our favorite online bottle shop today at B-R-E-W-F-O-R-I-A dot com. That's Brewforia dot com. Brewforia. When you can't get it, they can. Hilo, what's it feel like? Take awesome and multiply it by two. Yeah! <laughs> Spraying live beer radio all over your face. <laughs> can't get any better than this, baby. It's the Brewing Network. And now... Suck it, Tasty. Hey, you suck it, Tasty. <laughs> Who's that guy? I don't know. Can he say that? What? The, what the heck? What's up this with the uh, you know the suck it, Tasty? It's not right. I don't know. What did I do? Oh, I don't man. know. I I didn't like that from the very start. I'll talk to an announcer guy. I was against. Talk to an announcer guy. I was against that. I'll go down. I'll. Like his little girls said the same thing at once. I'll too. go punch him in the jaw. Put a body one in front of everybody, do. and they get all chatty. Yeah. <laughs> there is. I think there's another one with his girls too. Okay. So this one. Now, yeah. can you brew it? Oh, oh that's be nice. You like that one better, I like Tasty? That better, yeah. All right, I'll use that one next yeah, time. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Troublemakers. I don't mind. You know, disturbing the harmony. It's a term of endearment here. Uh, can you yeah. brew it? Show. All right. So uh, recipe. Uh, Mitch gave us the uh, the recipe, and I have n- no doubt that he gave us exactly what uh, what he was brewing for the 2009. All right, so uh, all grain metric. 
because that's the way we roll here. Uh, you're going to start in gravity of uh, 1.103 or a, a Plato of 24.51. Your SRM is 14.6 using Moray, and your IBUs using Rager is 129.2. Uh, 70% efficiency, 90-minute boil time, 6 gallons at the end of boil. You're going to use uh, 10.14 kilograms of uh, a uh, British pale ale malt. I thought you said those metric ones fall right into place. You got uh-huh. 0.14. Right, so 10 <laughs> kilos and 140 grams. Sorry. Right there, 140 grams, which on my scale works out to 140, 140 grams. Really easy to do. Versus trying to convert freaking ounces. God knows. You know, what are, what are the ounces here? You pain in the ass. <laughs> Let's see what these goddamn things are. What the goddamn ass? Goddamn ounces are. <laughs> screwed up, that's what they are. Not even. Yeah. 2.35 pounds. What are three five pounds? I don't have three five pounds on my scale. I got one forty grams dialed in. Three five pounds? I have no idea. Uh, let's see. All right, and then crystal malt, uh, a half a kilogram, five hundred grams, a half a kilo, half no, a key. Rolls off the tongue. That's right. Of crystal seventy five, also a British pale malt. Um, uh, hopping. This is for the 2009 Stone Old Guardian. Uh, 56 grams of Warrior at uh, 17% alpha acid, 90 minutes. Uh, 66 grams of East Kent Goldings, 4.75 alpha acid at 15 minutes. And then dry hopping, you're going to do 15 grams each of Centennial, Chinook, and Simcoe at 10.5, 13, and 13 alpha acids. All dry hopped. You're going to use the uh, WLP007 Dry English Ale Yeast for this, for all the stone beers. And uh, mash temperature, 148 Fahrenheit, 90 minutes. You're going to go with a longer mash temp because, you know, at the the lower the temperature, the longer it takes for the enzymes to have the, uh, uh, to convert those starches. So, uh, you know, a little longer on that. Uh, let's see the, uh, you know, stone's doing this horrible thing. One of the things we do when we're, um, trying to convert a commercial brewery's attempts to what we brew, you know, I think Moraz, he's doing a, he actually whirlpools to match the whirlpool length that the uh, brewery does. Me, I do this whirlpool chiller thing. So I put the hops in a little earlier. They do a 15 minute, uh, EKG edition, which is, um, is their whirlpool edition, and it depends on your process. Uh, their water they blend uh, down to 100 ppm of uh, God knows what, and they ferment at 72 Fahrenheit. But what we should do is uh, maybe like a 67 Fahrenheit, 68 Fahrenheit, uh, because they got those big tall fermenters. puts a lot of uh, pressure on the yeast, holds down ester production. So uh, 67 Fahrenheit would be about right. Uh, you're going to add a little O2 between 12 and 18 hours to get this thing to, to finish out, and they dry hop at 65 Fahrenheit. And it should finish around uh, 4 to 4.5 Play-Doh, which is uh, 1016 to 1018 in that range. All right. If you're going to make an extract version of this, 
you're going to substitute instead of the uh, 10.14 kilograms of pale malt, uh, you are going to use uh, 7.3 kilograms of a uh, an English uh, pale malt extract, and that'll get you quite close. Imperial, I get your percentages: 95.3 percent pale malt and 4.7 of uh, crystal malt, and uh, there's your imperial. All right. Did I cover everything on the recipe? I've Believe been drinking, you know. Yeah. All right, Mike, so, uh, or Mraz. So, you're tasty. When when this guy is sitting here. Just call him Mike. You're tasty. Tasty most of the time, right? Yeah, and you're Mike. Hey, you, it's fine. <laughs> you're Mike or Mraz, and you're yeah. always tasty when you're sitting here, okay? No. Nope. Because otherwise, too confusing. I say Mike, and you both look at me like, Yes. He looks at me with a dirty look. You look at me with like a question. Like, huh? Eyebrows raised. What yes. the fuck? So, uh, Moraz, what? Uh, tell us about your brewing this beer and, and and what your thought process was in cloning this. Well, obviously, with this beer being all malt and being such a big beer, um, I knew that if with the recipe that it was given to me, I would never get the sugars I needed out of it. So I first thing I did is I think it recipe six gallons, right. correct? So I bumped it up to nine gallons. Well and and that's one of the things. So Because there's just no way you, I could get my efficiencies. Any most beers that I make above ten ninety, I have to right. pretty much wasted grains is because you just can't seem to rinse the sugars. Right. So if if you if you're if you're all grain and you're brewing this thing, you have some DME on <laughs> to yes. make up for the difference for one. And the other is, you know, even when you get down to a one-to-one ratio, you know, really thick, a fairly thick mash, you're not going to exceed like a 1090 starting gravity. And then you got to boil your way to the rest of it. Now, if you got a 90-minute boil, it may not take you out to the 1.13 uh, gravity that you're looking for. So what, what Mike's doing is he's starting with... Uh, an even bigger, thicker mash, and just first runnings, and then boiling that. Because yeah, I mean, you end up uh, you're going to end up uh, uh, you know with a problem. So anytime you're making a big beer, and I got this from from Mike McDowell, is you know have a bag of DME on hand, and really you, you know like us, oh you know, but what about the flavor contribution? That really doesn't matter. When you've got like 30 pounds of grain in the freaking mash tub, <laughs> three pounds of DME. adding three-quarter pound of DME is not really going to make a big flavor difference. Yeah. So have that on hand to uh, adjust things to get to the right uh, uh, pre-boil gravity. I'm sorry. Go ahead. So instead of ha- adding DME, I wanted to be true to the recipe that make it 100% grain. Um, what I did is pretty much started with more grains than I needed and then just ran until I knew what my starting gravity needed to be. It actually come up short. I didn't even have enough for six gallons. I think I ended up with about four and a half gallons of beer. But you calculate the recipe, and that's kind of where your you know a little bit of expertise comes into play. It's like, well, then you can readjust your hops instead of for you know six gallons. I'm Mm -hmm. readjusting my hops for five gallons, and it moves on down the line the same way. But the importance is to have the starting gravity where you need it, Mm -hmm. the IBUs where you need it, Mm -hmm. so it'll ferment. So yeah, granted, yeah, I'm not. I don't have an exist exact five gallons of this beer. That's okay with me. Right. I have the beer that was on the recipe. Not something a little thinner, a little hoppier, a little not so hoppy mm-hmm. because the hops profile was different because I had more beer. In the, anyways, mm-hmm. back and forth. Um, right. So it's a matter of staying true to the numbers and the num- amount of beer that I ended up with is 
it's, it's the end result. It's not as important as the numbers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of one of the things that I, I stuck to. So I ended up having a, a huge mash so I can get – because I knew from past experiences there's no way if I have – there's a recipe called for six gallons – Mm-hmm. If I went to the store and got the grains for six gallons, I would never get the extract out of those right. grains unless I boiled it for you know five mm-hmm. hours. And it's just that's – then the recipe's not true because mm-hmm. Mitch said 90-minute boil, and mm-hmm. and that's what I wanted to stick to. So. Well, that's one of the things that uh, Tasty always uh, talks about is, you know, uh, when you're at your – you know, your start of your boil, you should be taking your your gravity reading. This is where refractometer really comes into hand. Yeah, or anything that measures quickly like that. Yeah. You know, you know, at the Just beginning more. of the boil, to, you know, take your reading and see where you are in terms of your, your anticipated pre-boil gravity. And volume. And, you know, what I like to do, uh, you know, based on you telling me this is, okay, I know I'm boiling for 90 minutes. So every 30 minutes, I'm going to take a reading and I'm going to see if my starting gravity was, you know, should have been 1013 and my finishing should have been 10 or should have been, uh, you know, 13 Plato and my finishing should have been 16 Plato. I got three Plato. So every 30 minutes, I should be gaining a Plato. Are you so tracking? 30 minutes in, I should be at, at 14 Plato. Mm-hmm. And 60 minutes in, I should be at 15 Plato. And if I'm not tracking properly, then my hop additions, this is what's critical, is hop additions. Bittering, I need to adjust. I need to adjust for the volume that I've got. Like uh, Morass is saying, I should, I should make sure that the volume that I I'm boiling is the volume that uh, you know my bittering additions are, are are married to and and flavor additions and also for timing if I'm going to boil longer or less those hop additions that I want later in the boil they need to match up with the timing right. that I'm going to do. Right. You know, if if I toss in a ten minute addition, then I decide, oh, you know, I'm I'm short of my gravity. I'm going to boil well, another thirty minutes. Right. Well, you've just screwed those ten minute additions. They're not quite right. Exactly. See, so, yeah, so what I'll do is I'll uh, if my last my late hop additions start at ten minutes, then I'll you know at fifteen minutes out, I'm taking a gravity. Mm-hmm. I'm saying, okay, it looks like I am going to be at this at zero or or I'm not. Mm-hmm. If you feel like I'm going to be, I need a little bit more gravity driven out of the beer. I'll just delay that addition, mm-hmm. and I'll still pull the sixty-minute or ninety-minute hops out mm-hmm. at that at ninety minutes, mm-hmm. not like at one hundred and ten minutes. And you're doing bags, yeah. So I got right. it in bags, so I can do that. You got the big sacks. Got big sacks, yeah. right? Well, you know, for me, um, you know, I consider doing that. I don't like a big sack. I like to to, to free free, free run. Uh, yeah. So do I. I like going commando exactly, and uh, not not to sack it up. And uh, but you know the difference between a uh, you know a sixty minute edition and a seventy minute edition not a big deal. Yeah, you're really not going to gain a lot of bittering from that. Really, volume is a, bigger, a much bigger thing. Sure. And you know so so Mike's uh, you know advice on you know checking your volume and your gravity and make sure in the volume that you're you're right. hopping for is correct. That's important. Um, you know, you need to make sure that uh, you know. So, so you can go long on that, but on the flavor and aroma additions, uh, you know, that's that's a critical critical item. And you don't have to. As soon as you get your mash, you don't have to bring it to boil as fast as you can and get everything started. You know, take a break. Make sure you get a good sample. If you don't have a refractometer, right. take hydrometer, put it in mm-hmm. some ice. Mm-hmm. You, you know, it can sit in the kettle for an hour before it, you bring it to a boil. It's not important. To just boil it as fast yeah. as you can. Were, the, but the reading is important. The Very reading important. is more important than mm-hmm. how fast you brought it to the right. boil. So if it's too thick, you need to add some water. You can do the calculation. Or if you need to add some DME, right. you can make that adjustment 
before everything started. Right. Because right. once the avalanche started, it's hard to stop. That's yeah. kind yeah. of how I, you know, you've already added mm-hmm. your hop additions. Then you're kind of struggling. It's like, do I stretch that out to 60 or 70 right. or 90 right. minute hop addition? Then now you're chasing your tail. You made a different beer than you trained. A consistent boil yeah. is really important, wouldn't you guys say? Yeah, really consistent. Yeah. And then, you know, I, which brings up the question well, what will make it inconsistent? Well, you know, the biggest thing I found is the, how windy is it, is it outside? Mm-hmm. You know, if you're in, obviously you've got a, a kettle, and obviously if, the, if there's a cool breeze blowing over it, it's going to blow those uh, BTUs, you know, off quicker. Another thing that gets me sometimes is the level of uh, propane in my tank. I, if anybody, I don't know if everybody else notices this, but as the propane starts to get lower, you're not going to have that big a flame. Or on a cold morning, I've had yeah. to start to freeze up. Yeah, it'll freeze so up. So I have and, a bucket of water that right. I just set. Right. And, and just the propane tank sits in the water to have a consistent propane temperature is another right. thing, mm-hmm. too. Yeah, so right. all those things, you know, if you brew once a year or twice a year, it's, it's kind of hard to make hard those to adjustments. Track. But if you pay attention and watch these things, like yeah. if, you sense, if you sense that you might be underboiling or you sense that it's not as vigorous as usual, then, then, then these late uh, refractometer readings are really important. Well, you know, a few years ago, I I suggested that, uh, you know, to really become a great brewer, you needed to brew like four to five times a week minimum. And really, you know, that allowed you to kind of dial into the process and see the, you know, in your mind's eye, see the really small, subtle differences between what you're doing one day and what you're doing the next. And I got hate mail. (laughs) on that because they're like i can't brew every day of the week oh you you know what the hell's the matter with you i'm like well well you you know you don't have to do this you can still be a great brewer without that but you know if if you could set aside you know a period of vacation where you got a week off of work brew every day like twice a day every day like sending yourself to brew school right yeah and 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 just Brew, 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 brew. This is what Chad did. Uh, you know, Chad really learned a lot from this. Beers really improved yeah. over that period of time. And, you know, you know, by looking at the little fine details and understanding that and seeing what you're doing and, and kind of, you know, making certain parts of your process, you know, rote memory and certain parts of your process, oh, here's where the difference is. It's it's a small little thing. Yeah. That's where you know, really, you know, the, where brass tax is is made, right? It, oh that, yeah, well, in, in eight, I've hardly ever, not hardly, but I would say at least a third of my brew sessions have something that goes wrong mm-hmm. that I didn't anticipate. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, it used to be things like I ran out of propane. Well, I've you know, and I'm on top of that. But once you, you make that these, dialed in, once you make these mistakes, you tend <laughs> right. not to make them again. Right. So the more you brew, the more you're going to like have all yeah, these things just covered. Brew your ass off right. and. Just you know, be, you'll be consistent. Able to Put the mash in the same spot. Yeah, exactly. You know, and then you know it's like, oh, my water needs to be exactly you right. know sixty seven yeah, or sixty seven yeah. when I pour it into my mash tun. And all these you'll things you'll know those ratios once you like mm-hmm. observe. Yeah. yeah, it's hard right. to know that if you've only do it a few times exactly. a year, or or you're right. making all these right. weird eclectic styles from from a pale lager to yeah, well, a Russian another good girl point. stout. It's mm-hmm. make the same beer sort of over and over or again. Try and do it similar times, yeah. similar mash temp, similar style. Right, it makes it a little bit easier. Well, like moving to this new house has killed me. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's same well, here, equipment, same example. brewer, same ingredients, same everything, different location for the brew stand. All right, now <laughs> I get more wind where I'm at. You know, I'm I'm a mile from my old house. And I get, you know, so much more wind, it's really screwed me up. It's it's making it much more difficult for me to brew the same beers. 
you know, yeah. you'd be surprised. But, you know, those, you know, so getting used to the environment that you're at, the water that you have, the ingredients that you have, just, the way that, you know, yeah. you feel in the morning or the way that you feel, sure. you know, when you brew, you know. And we were talking earlier, um, I don't know if this show or a previous show, about how, uh, you know, having different people and all this uh, – uh, you know these other people around and and how that affects you you know your your mental state is different when you 're brewing with other people and you tend to you know you worry about food or you know going and getting another beer or all this and it screws up your beer yep so you know uh, these little differences change your beer that 's why you know the same brewer the same brewery uh professional breweries you know they'll have a brewer in there and then a lot of times they'll disregard the brewer, and it's like, oh, you know, who gives a shit? I got the recipe, I got the equipment, I got the grains, I got the distribution, I got everything. You know, the owner will think, and then you know, the brewer doesn't mean dick to me. Who cares? Mm. I'm not going to pay him more than you know slave wages. You know, and then when the person is is not happy, oh, get get the hell out of here. I'll hire any home brewer to come in and fill in for you, buddy. Mm. I got everything here. They bring the guy in and. Beers aren't the same. Yep. Why aren't the beers same? It's those subtle little differences that you know make the beer you know that much different. Right. Timing. So, yeah. Makes a big difference. All right. We got any questions from the chat room? Yes. A couple questions came through today. Uh, Shooter wants to know: For these long aging beers, like we're talking about here, uh, do brewers uh, traditionally like to age them in kegs or bottles? Uh, he says, I know some styles, a touch of oxidation is, is kind of a nice touch, but wondering about what, what brewers would think. So obviously think, these were all bottles that we had. Right. I think most commercial brewers like to get them the hell out of the brewery, <laughs> right, <laughs> onto the shelves and have people buy them. What would you do? So they can make more beer. Uh, that said, I think a lot of these breweries, they stash away a couple of cases of bottles, they stash away a couple of kegs, and they try them later on as well. Um, for me, um, the difference being um, when you keg a beer, there's pretty much no oxygen that gets in that beer. I mean, past the initial kegging, right? When you bottle a beer, there is some micro-oxygen that sneaks in past the crown cap, right? And that affects the beer. So those will oxidize faster than something that's in a keg. I think you can age a beer in a keg and you can get some of the complexity of that. Um, it's different than oxygen that gets in the beer <laughs> and you get a different kind of aging and oxidation. I think that's faster. Um, I think you can store beer in a keg that's well-treated, well-maintained and at a cool temperature and five years down the road, it tastes like the same beer. Mm. Pretty, pretty, very close. Okay. And so you don't get a lot of aging. So it depends on what you're looking for. Because yeah, I like that basement celery flavor in a good old barley wine. Uh-huh. And that's kind of an oxygen thing. Yeah, that's a bottling Sh- thing. Yeah. I would bottle then. Yeah. I think a keg would have less chance of picking up oxygen than a bottle. That's probably... Yeah, it picks, it picks up far less... But even in bottles, if you bottle right and you store it cool and steady and you're in the 30s. It'll help. You know, I've got, I've got beers that, you know, there's no oxidation years down the road. 
Okay. I mean, it's so subtle that, you know, especially in a in a darker beer. In a lighter color beer, those age really fast and they, they turn to crap within six months. But, you know, if you have something that's got some roasty or some melanoidins to it, they tend to stay steady for a long period of time. Okay. Another aging question from Sedge. Um, he says he kind of answered it. He just wants some clarification. It's about, uh, uh, you know, storing temperature. He says he doesn't have a fridge to stow away a barley wine. For, for years at a time. Mm-hmm. Basement temperature, 65 degrees. What do you mm. think? Get a fridge. 65 is still too warm? Dig a hole. <laughs> <laughs> you got a shovel? Yeah. $10 shovel. I'll take you down to, you know, good cellar temps. The wife may think you're crazy, but, you know, do it anyways. So 65 still too warm attempt to... That's warm. Okay. That's warm. Storage, it's... you know, cellar temps, 50 and below, wouldn't you guys say? Yeah, 50 would be, would be okay. Okay. But it's still going to, you know, age it, faster at 50 than it would at 30. If it's yeah. consistent, it's good, right. then fluctuations, but it's right. still not optimal. One of the things about fluctua- fluctuations in temperature um, is that it tends to pull in more oxygen into the bottle. All right, so there's an expansion and contraction of the, the liquid. Um, you know, a percentage expansion contraction of liquid that can really you know, draw in oxygen in the bottle. And, um, you know, the more you minimize that, the less that oxygenation happens. So if you keep something really at a very steady temperature, it's going to last a long, long time, even at a warmer temperature. If it fluctuates by, you know, half a degree or tenth of a degree or twentieth of a degree, um, you know, you'll pull more oxygen and that's going to make a difference. Okay. All right. Uh, Maybe you guys cover the dry hopping aspect, but uh, 10 bars north in the chat room wants to know um, about the impact of dry hopping uh, concerned with the aging. Uh, Because we're talking about how this beer should be aged, but Mm -hmm. some barley wines are dry hopped. Mm -hmm. Uh, Isn't then, aren't we just eliminating the dry hop quality? Doesn't that just fall out? No, 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 no. Okay. Uh, it changes over time. It's not like fresh dry hopping. Now, Mike, you you dry hop this with uh, a bunch of different hops. Yeah, but I, just make a note here. It, it, it changes over time. It, it does, but I'm gonna. But it's still re- there. Redirect the question here because there's Chinook in here, and it's funny. Everybody says you cannot dry hop with Chinook, and I think three of my favorite beers. This be one of them. Mm-hmm. And you got uh, Union Jack, mm-hmm. and you mm-hmm. got Alesmith IPA are mm-hmm. all dry hopped with some, not a hundred percent. So it's just a blending part of the hops but um it just goes to show you that you know you can go outside the the mold and still have a wonderful beer um it it always adds something you know so even if it's when you drink it fresh it adds something this great aromatic property right and it still is going to be there years later it might not be as bright and clean um but it's still going to be there and definitely add something yeah yeah well, and you know, and anytime somebody tells you you can't do something and it won't work, that's why you got to do it. You know, including me and Tasty and Moraz and you know, uh, you know, screw you. That's what's so great about you know, this hobby. Is go like, ahead and do it anyways. Everybody, there's yeah. just as many don't, people don't, say you have to brew exactly. Don't, don't way. listen to us. Yeah, yeah. do whatever you want. Yeah. You know, I still and, use and mash. Works. I still use batch sparging in. in and carboys. I'm not a conical guy, so yeah. I'm, and I'm, I still, I'm a better bottle guy now. And I still, <laughs> obviously, I'm here making decent beer. Yeah. Um, and you don't have well, to have better all than decent yeah. beer. Yeah. So it goes to show you that it, any, anybody can do it. Yep. 
Okay, and the last bit was just a comment that I that I thought was worth mentioning because you might want to talk about a little bit uh, bike foolery in there. Uh, you know, you you say you like to go commando. Um, oh yeah, he says commando kind of sucks with hops because he he feels like he loses precious wort at the end because he We're can't transfer a, as much. Oh, the knockout. Uh, uh, well, he didn't say hops. He just oh, said uh, you lose precious wort. So you said commando. I'm thinking balls. Uh, but, of course you, know. you are. Yeah. So uh, t- that's a good question. For but tasting. you know, uh, uh, you see, he's talking about I guess transferring uh-huh. at the uh-huh. at the end. Uh, Again, that's why I do every, every. You know, the the problem I have with recipes is, oh, this is for five gallons of beer. Well, that's bullshit because. You know, really what it depends on is how much wort you end up with at the end of boil. If you're going to end up with five gallons of wort at the end of the boil, you got all these hops and things on there, you know, you're really kind of screwed because you're not going to get five gallons of beer out of that. So that's why I like to do six gallons. And and I think in the book when we do, uh, you know, Vinny's uh, Pliny the Elder, we're talking, uh, you know, even, you know, maybe bumping it up because there's a lot of hot mass in there. Yeah. That's you should you should adjust for that and just say well hey I'm gonna put a buttload of hops in this thing um, I'm gonna make seven gallons of wort at the end of boil so I can leave you know a gallon and a half behind with just this you know righteous mass of hops and uh, you know have five gallons of clear beer at the end or clear wort at the end. Good, yeah, Morass? Yeah, it's just you. a matter of realizing uh, the strong beers like that. Artists not going to be as efficient on the knockout side. You're not going right, to get as, right. as much as you expect. But you're going to spend a dollar more and just, you know. Or even if you do come up short, you know, it's not that. Don't add water. It's just you got four and a half, four gallons instead of five. It's not that big deal. Right. You're, you're short you a few pints. Beer in, you're just more happy with what you got. When the than, neighbor comes by, just yeah. say, oh, I'm sorry. I don't I have can't have that one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So do you... When you, pull your, turn when you right. pull your sacks out, do you squeeze them or just oh, no, 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 no. you squeeze your sacks? I don't squeeze my sacks. So you no. don't worry about the uh, extra wort? If you're not squeezing no, no, your I, sack, I think no, I you're made, not gaining I've, anything from I've sacking. I've made six gallons of wort. I mean, I, of course, I'm making 10 gallons. I make, I've made 12 gallons so of wort. So it's not important to you. To I just went uh, 10 and a half or 11 into my fermenter. I'm perfectly fine with leaving that in those sacks. Leave some behind. Who gives a crap? Yeah, I like to see I left behind. It tells me that I didn't... Well, that's another thing that pisses me off about the whole homebrewing thing. It's like, well, you know, homebrewers are cheap, and they're they're just looking for a cheap way to make really high, you know, to to avoid buying, you know, the the beer in the store because you know they want to get drunk for for low cost. Well, those people can ferment out, you know, Concord grape juice and sugar. You know, the, the people want to get drunk. They're not. They're not listening to the show. The people who want to make high quality beer and will will give their left nut to to make something that is you know God's gift to brewing. Better than they can buy. Yeah, better world than they class can buy. Quality world class quality beer. Class quality. Yeah. Or, or then sometimes you you can buy some world class beers. That's that's or for as sure. good. Yeah. I mean, you know, when you go to Stone, they they got they got some world class beers, obviously. But uh, you know, uh, you know. <laughs> It, it, it's not about saving every last penny. So, who gives a crap at how efficient you are? These people who are like you know struggling to get into the ninety some odd percentile efficiency on their mash, you're looking at the wrong thing. You should be looking at quality, beer quality. You know, brewing the best beer you possibly can. That should be your focus. You know, because you're not. You know, if you're doing this for efficiency, just go out and buy Budweiser because you know that's about as efficient as it gets. You know, you can buy that when that's on sale. You cannot mm. brew beer that cheap. No. You know, you cannot get that percentage of alcohol at that low a price. 
Really, it's impossible. Yeah. As a home brewer, it's impossible unless you're getting your ingredients for free. You know, counting your propane you and all that stuff. Like yeah, yeah. Even then, the energy to cook the rice, <laughs> all that stuff. I'm telling you, you know, just uh, you know, focus on beer quality. You want to, you know, that. And when you go out and buy beer, focus on beer quality. Right. You know, focus on those breweries that are providing the best beer possible, not the lowest price. You know, if somebody's selling a beer for, you know, $10, $10 for a bomber, uh, Sierra Nevada Estate beer, that is one fantastic freaking beer. It's, they, they, more, it's, it's a phenomenal. It's, it's just the fact it's, that everything's grown in-house. Right. And, you know, I, I don't want to love it because, you know, it's expensive. It's 10 bucks where I, you know, somewhere in Texas they're selling for 5 but ten dollars for next a next door, we for, can't get it for, for five. For a, I know for a twenty-two ounce bottle, they're selling it for ten bucks, nine ninety-nine at my my local Nugget. But it is so good, and you you wouldn't think, you know, they're 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 growing the malt themselves, they're growing the hops themselves, they're having it malted, they're doing this whole thing, and that's why it's costing the amount of money it's costing. Sure, but the quality of this beer, the it's just a sublime experience drinking that beer. And it's well worth the ten bucks for a bomber. You know, if you're gonna drink, you know, piss, go ahead and drink piss and get it as cheap as you can. If you're gonna if you really want to experience something great in life, go ahead and do it. Spend spend what you have to spend to do it. Whether it's brewing your own or going out and buy it, you know, don't 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 pussyfoot around. You know, your life's too short. I'm take I'm cutting all of that out and putting it in a promo. I love it. I agree with you hundred percent. Right, right. I mean, you know, uh, God knows I'm going to be dead in a couple of years, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, at least have you on at the, tape. At the rate you're going, the test will kill you. That's right. Yeah. That's right. After this, uh, this uh, road trip to Minneapolis, I think that'll do it. Yeah, I, is it is your I last ma- I may not make it. So uh, glad you're you know. living it up. <laughs> I th- I think it's uh, I think it's fantastic. Yeah, I think uh, you know the stone. Uh, uh, Old Guardian's fantastic. I think the brew that you, uh, the beer that you brewed, uh, Mister Moraz, is uh, is fantastic. And I think that's uh, that's it from the chat room. It. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So another fine can you brew it episode. Do you have anything to add, Mister Moraz, Mister Tasty? Um, yeah. No, I think everything. <laughs> everything. Is... Everything's went well. We got a nice vertical tasting in front of us. So yeah, we did. All chatty. We did. If you get a chance, uh, you should uh, head over to northbrewer.com. Check them folks out because they uh, they make the show possible. And also uh, the Brewing Network store. You go by thebrewingnetwork.com. You can see Brew Your Own Magazine. I write a style profile column that has a lot more detail than I can provide on the shows. And uh, you want to sign up for Brew Your Own Magazine. Uh, go click on that giant logo. And uh, don't worry, the Brewing Network will get half that subscription that's a big portion of the brewing network we thank byo for that and uh you know there's some good stuff in the b in the uh brewing network <laughs> store there is uh Didn't we barley wine in there i uh, you know like five barley wine screwed me up you can get, <laughs> you can get uh you know shirts hats all sorts of good stuff i got the b and uh you know winterfest shirt on if you're watching the video uh, it's it's not as gay as the BN4 shirt. So good stuff. Bruce Strong. And often.